how they don't scrimp with us in, in line with reflecting God's heart. And they've been here, some of you might know, and some of you might not know, some of you might know. They've been here since 8 a.m. this morning, normally every Sunday they come and set up and they're practicing from 8.30. So when you see them up on stage here, they've pretty much been strumming, drumming, keying and singing for three hours. And I think these guys just um, pour out for us so amazingly. Not only that, they spend time during the week seeking God and pouring out. And I know we often do this, but I just really wanted to honor our worship team. Let's give them a hand. And I know they, they epitomize this, that they love serving in the house of God, but it is such a blessing to us. So thank you team. All right, it's my pleasure now to introduce an incredible woman, Lisa Gowan. Let's give her a hand as she comes. I know she's got a phenomenal word for us this morning. Thanks, Lise. Thanks, Hi. The problem with worship like that is I sing really loudly and then I'm kind of screwed with my throat for the rest of the day because I don't know how to sing properly and so I don't sing from my chest, I sing from my throat. Um, Apologies if this cuts out during the morning. Um, so, those of you who have heard me speak before, you know that I bring a message that's a little bit different and that tackles issues of, issues of the heart. Surprise, surprise, today's no different. So, today I guess my hope is for each of us that these words will instill courage and strength in you so that you can move into freedom and into promise and into what God has for you next. So about a month ago, um, Josh and Sarah shared about disconnection within the church and how several people had come to them and kind of shared that they'd been feeling a bit disconnected and not quite feeling right. Adam and I were actually a couple of those people. And so... I'm going to share with you a bit about that journey this morning because I guess it's one thing to hear Josh and Sarah say that this has happened. It's another thing to hear it from someone who was walking it. Um, so I'm going to do a little bit of that with you today, but also share with you, I guess, the prophetic encouragement that God's given me coming out of that and into the next season. So disconnection sucks whether it is with your church family, with your friends, with your biological family, in your marriage, wherever it is, it sucks and it hurts and it's horrible. Um, it's uncomfortable, it's unpleasant, and yeah, it just sucks. Um, so Adam and I have experienced, I, I guess, seasons of disconnection over the last couple of years. It's been quite a long journey for us. Um, not with each other, we're still married, we're still good, but, I don't know, church just, while we love the people, we love God and we love church, some of the richness of the relationship didn't feel like it was there. And I guess for us, we were like, what's, well, for me in particular, I was like, what's wrong? What have I done? Like, there must be something I've done. And our sense as we kind of walked this journey was like, no, we actually haven't done anything wrong. It's just there's a season and there's something else going on here that we don't quite understand. And so we had all these emotional, physical, social, spiritual things going on in circumstances, internal and external, over this season of a couple of years that left us feeling kind of lonely even though we were in a crowd of people. So for me in particular, like I said, the relationships didn't feel as rich as they had before. 
and I really started to doubt how loved I was and if anyone would notice if I didn't turn up on a Sunday. Um, and for me, I find it quite easy to share about my past and to be vulnerable with people about what I've already gained victory in. Current pain is really hard for me to share and to be open with people about. And luckily for me, Adam's very patient and he's very understanding and he knows me well and knows to just let me vomit it all out, so to speak. And so, you know, he's been there with me by my side and we've been walking this journey together, both of us feeling in our own different ways. Um, but it made it really hard for me to come to the leaders within our church and kind of go, hey, this is how I'm feeling. And I think a big part of that is because one of my biggest fears in life is rejection. It's one of my biggest wounds. It's, wounds. it's my nemesis. Um, and I think that's really thrived in this last season. Now that I look back, hindsight is wonderful. Um, over the last couple of years, my mind has really focused on the differences and the ways I didn't feel like I fitted in. The way that my life breaks the stereotype of a lot of people that I know. Um, instead of the ways that God draws us together. So, I guess Adam and I at times thought, well, what's wrong with us? There were times that I very often thought, what's wrong with me? What have I done wrong to get here? And I guess we came to a conclusion that it was just a journey we had to walk through. It was a season. And unless God said to us, you are going to go here, this is where we were. And we were going to walk it out with as much grace as we could. But it hurt and it's been hard. And there were lots of times I cried to God about it and things still didn't change. Um, and there's been a real shame attached to it and a real fear attached to it. And that's why I felt it was really important for someone to actually stand up and share, yeah, this is a real thing. And it has been happening for people in our church. And this is how we move through it. There was a fear for me that I'd get judged if I said anything. Because, you know, Adam's up on stage doing band stuff. There's occasions that I get up and speak. And I didn't want people to go, oh, but they're all screwed up and not connecting the dots. Um, so I stayed silent. And that was the worst thing for us to have done, I think. So recently, Adam and I realised that we weren't alone in feeling this way. And there was almost this sense of relief that we weren't alone, but then this incredible sorrow that we weren't alone. And that this was actually a bigger thing going on in our church than just us. Um, so we knew that we had to submit this to Josh and Sarah and come to them and be vulnerable and share what was going on in our hearts and in our heads. And I felt heaps of fear and confusion leading into that. Um, and I think that was an intimidation trying to stop me from doing it, to keep me where I was. And so it was unrealistic and it was unfounded, that fear. But it was real. But we pushed through it. And I'm so glad we did. We caught up with Josh and Sarah and we shared with them the pain and the journey and our confusion about what was going on and what it meant. And even just having that conversation and that obedience, clarity started to come 
and healing started to come. They showed us grace and love and kindness. And if there was any judgment, they hit it very well. <laughs> they helped us to unpack it. And even in talking through it with them, I started to see things that I hadn't seen before. I started to see where some of this disconnection might have crept in that hadn't occurred to me even in all my hours of analysing it. There was an immediate blessing and an immediate healing that started to flow. And those things weren't just at a superficial level. It went deeper down inside of me. And I actually feel closer to these guys than I probably ever have just from having that one conversation and going there and bringing this to them. I know, I knew this before, but now I know it, you know the difference, that these guys are a safe place for me and a safe place for you guys. And I'm gonna be deliberate about keeping myself vulnerable with them so I don't end up in that place again. So the healing and the refreshing, it's still flowing and we're still on a journey with this, um, but it's getting better and I feel more connected and something has lifted. So then a week after we caught up with Josh and Sarah, uh, Sarah shared about, I guess, some of the tactics that they're identifying that have been operating to try and pull people apart within the church. She shared about distraction, discouragement, disconnection, and division. And I could see the distraction, the discouragement, and the disconnection, and where they'd been a part of my life, of our lives. Thankfully, we didn't reach that point of division. Um, we, I, I guess there's probably opportunities that could have crept in, but we didn't let it. Um, and I guess being on that bit of a journey, I was praying about it afterwards. And when I was in that moment of, okay, I've brought this into the light, I've brought it into submission of my leaders, and there's some healing starting to flow here. Finally, Surprise, surprise, God was able to speak into my circumstances because I'd taken down some of those barriers and I'd gotten some of that hope back. And I felt a really strong prophetic encouragement for me and Adam going into the next season. But then I also felt that it was bigger than that and that it was a season for other people and a season for our church to enter into. And it's actually another D word. Um, but I believe that we're entering into a season of deliverance. And so the rest of my message is going to focus on what that looks like. So I believe that God is leading us on a new journey of deliverance into the promises he has for our future as individuals, as families, as a church. So deliverance can be about the big things. It can be about the little things. It can be about um, the massive wounds from our past that we need to get set free from. It can be about the small lingering mindsets that just every now and again come knocking at the door. So whether you can easily sit here and go, yep, I've got something I can overcome, or whether you're sitting here going, mm, no, I'm not seeing anything, don't switch off, because either there is something and you just don't see it yet, or at some stage in the future, you're gonna need this, so stick with me. So. There's this dude, Edward Monckton. Um, I don't know what country he comes from, but he writes these really funny and often really inappropriate things. Um, and years ago, like eight years ago, I think, 
Ads and I were in New Zealand before we had children, um, so probably nine years ago. Um, and I found this little case um, by this guy, Edward Monckton, and it's called The Butterfly of Freedom. And it's a conversation between two butterflies. Why do you fly outside the box? I fly outside the box because I can. But we know the box. We are safe inside the box. That, my friend, is why I leave it. For you may be safe, but I am free. That spoke to me so deeply. And this is in my handbag pretty much every day of my life. Um, when I first became a Christian, I had this, well, not first, a couple of years into my journey, I had this real sense that I wanted to bring deliverance and I wanted to bring freedom to people. And I have an amazing and unique opportunity that I get to do that through my day-to-day -day work and my career. But I also, I guess, get these opportunities at, at church to share these heart messages that it's always my prayer that someone will find the next step of freedom through what I share. So this says about we're safe inside the box. It's really important that we don't mistake what is familiar with what is safe. We can need deliverance from something and being in that place where that's our normal can feel safe because it's familiar. That doesn't mean it's safe in the big picture of our life. Um, so I'll just point out that little distinction. It's one point where this analogy fell down. So deliverance. It's a word that gets thrown around meaning lots of different things within the church and within different, um, I guess, types of churches. For me, what I'm talking about is deliverance as a breaking out and a breaking free of whatever it is that is holding you back from walking in the promises of God. So deliverance is and should be a constant journey in our life, but there are discrete moments where there's a greater power attached to it, a greater significance attached to it. And I believe that this is one of those seasons, that it's a season of crossing over from limitation and oppression, whether that's big or small things we need to break free from, into the promises of God. And so then as each of us cross over individually, the cumulative effect is a whole generation that's going to be set free and cross over into the next things. We can't lead people where we have not been. So the deliverance that each of us walk in is also the deliverance for our friends and our family and our community. So in looking at this, I'm going to actually explore Israel and times that they crossed over in the Old Testament and look at some lessons that I've pulled out of reading that, those um, stories in that history. So the full story is Exodus through to Joshua. Um, for those of you who don't know the Bible, that's five really long books. Um, I'm just going to give you some key references today. So, as I, I guess, explored this after feeling that it was a season of deliverance for us, I can break it down into three different phases that I'm going to explore. So, the first phase is that there will be a significant moment of deliverance. Secondly, we'll be on a journey of outworking the deliverance. And in that stage, God will build capacity for us to sustain it and he'll prepare us for the final stage, which is entering into the promises and that apprehension of what we've been delivered for. And so each of these moments and phases for Israel required a crossing over 
from one place into another, very literally for Israel. So to look at that significant moment of deliverance, it's a point one. Um, we're looking at Israel when they crossed the Red Sea. And within this, there's almost two stages. There's like a preparation for the deliverance, the journey God had them on before the moment, but then there's the actual moment when they had to take that step and make that choice um, in a discreet moment where they could have turned back or they could step out. So I'm not going to quote a lot of scripture for you today because we'll be here forever, um, but I'm going to give you, I guess, some of the key references um, to it. So Exodus 6, 1 to 8, we see that God is aware of Israel's oppression. He's heard their pain and he promises them that he's going to do something about it. He promises to redeem them and to bring them from that oppression and slavery into freedom. At this time, Israel knew they were oppressed by the leaders in um, Egypt. But sometimes we can be oppressed even when we think we're free. We think we're there, we think we've got it all together and then something happens and it's like, oh, that thing. Um, it can be internal or external things that oppress us. It can be other people and relationships. It can be our own thoughts. It can be our history. It can be a lack of hope for the future. And often these different things will influence each other and then they'll impact on our identity and our relationships with other people and then we just end up more and more tied up. It can be in the small things or the big things, but essentially that oppression is going to be anything that's holding us back from our purpose in God, from his promises and from freedom. So Exodus 6.9 tells us that when Moses told Israel about God's promise for deliverance, they didn't listen. And they didn't listen because they were so discouraged from their hard labour. Living under oppression is like living under hard labour. It tires you out. There's an exhaustion and a pressure that... I don't actually know an English word big enough to cover it. Um, something beyond exhaustion. So if you are in that place today, I encourage you, don't let the pressure of that oppression or that weight stop you from hearing God's word today. Sit, be open, listen to it and let it rest within you. So we've got Exodus chapters 7 to 14, um, which I guess a lot of us will be at least a little bit familiar with where Moses goes to Pharaoh several times asking him to let Israel go and Israel, uh, Pharaoh says no and we see the frogs and we see the plagues and all sorts of nastiness and Pharaoh still says no. Whatever it is that's oppressing you is going to fight to keep you. Oppression will always fight against deliverance. Once you decide to hope for and pursue deliverance, once you decide to listen to God's promise to redeem you and actually believe that could be true, once you decide to act on that promise, there's a battle. There's a battle in the spiritual realms that plays out in our hearts, minds and lives. We can approach the oppression with the word of God telling it to let us go, but it will often twist the circumstances to try and keep us bound like Pharaoh did. Thankfully, 
our God is bigger. Exodus 13, um, 17 to 22, we see that Moses kept going back again and again and again. He kept fighting for his freedom and for Israel's. It wasn't one attempt, it was repeated attempts. That's what we need to do. Eventually then, Pharaoh let them go. God had a set path for them though. It wasn't just a let them go and then let them go wherever they wanted. God had a plan. He didn't lead them through the land of the Philistines. The Bible tells us that even though that journey would have been shorter, if they faced battles there, God was scared that they would have turned back to the oppression. So God led them on a set path that he knew would ultimately be the safer journey for them, even though it was the longer journey. They left ready for battle. And God was with them every step of the way. He went before them in the daytime and in the nighttime, and his presence never left them. He's going to do the same for us. Sometimes the longer, journey, longer path brings the greater freedom. We have to trust him that he's leading us on the right path of deliverance for us in the time, in the place, in the method. It was by his power in partnership with Israel's obedience that they were prepared for their deliverance and were able to start considering it. It was by his power that he demonstrated that he would look after them and he does the same thing for us. He knows what we're coming from and he knows what he's taking us into and we can't get there on our own. He, we cannot provide the power for it but he's going to be there every step of the way with us. And so he prepares us for the deliverance by bringing that sense of unrest, bringing that sense of, no, something isn't right here, something needs to shift, there's a freedom, there's a hope, there's a something, but I don't know how to get it. God prepares us for the deliverance and then he leads us to the moment where we make the choice. So Exodus 14, 10 to 15 you know, as I said, oppression doesn't let us go easily. Pharaoh changed his mind and pursued Israel with all of his power. And Israel lost hope and lost faith at that point. They wanted Moses to let them go back. They wanted the safety of the box. They thought it was better to be slaves than to face the fear of an unknown freedom. Moses told them, though, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. I love that. When the battle comes to try and take us back, we have to make a choice. The choice to go back is real. And sometimes the pain of oppression, the torturous past that is so familiar and that we know so well, is actually less scary than the unknown and uncertain future of freedom. But you have to make a choice. You have to make a choice to either go back or to stand firm, stand still and see the deliverance that God has for you. So as we continue on in Exodus 14, we see that God led Israel to a point where they were trapped between the dry desert place and Pharaoh's troops, whose whole goal it was to enslave them again, and a deep, seemingly uncrossable sea. But he set his power up as their rear guard to protect them from Pharaoh in the nighttime and to give them a light to see by. 
God promises to deliver us. He promises to fight for us. And he will make a way for us even when it doesn't make sense. All that night, God drove the sea back across that seemingly uncrossable ocean, making a dry path. And Israel were able to cross through the path safely. God moves in our night, in our dark times. He breathes on our circumstances and he shapes them into what they need to be for us to walk in deliverance. When the time comes to step out, though, it's often into a situation that defies logic, like walking through parted oceans, where there's pressure around us. But that doesn't mean we don't step out. If we don't step out at that point, then we automatically are going to end up getting dragged back into the slavery that we're trying to escape. That is the moment first moment of deliverance, the moment we have to choose to take that final step to cross over and seal that first phase of deliverance. So I guess to help bring it down to a more practical level, um, lots of you here know my story, but um, I had a really long battle with depression and with suicide ideation and actions from the age of eight until my early 20s. I hated myself and I wanted to die. It was as simple as that, that was my normal. I needed deliverance, but I didn't know it. I didn't know there was an option. For me, deliverance was death. If I died, then I'd be set free of all of this. When I was in year 12, um, I tried to kill myself. I needed freedom from everything going on in my head but I didn't know how to get it. And so for me, death was the only option. But God had a different plan. And throughout, I guess, those years, particularly that year 12 season and those couple of months after I tried to kill myself, I was in that preparation phase where God was laying the groundwork for me to start getting free, even though I didn't see that at the time and I couldn't see that until later but he was positioning people and he was allowing such an unrest to occur within me that I was looking for anything to get set free. And thankfully for me and for you guys, the work that God did in preparing the way for me to come to deliverance also included my, the salvation of my sister who then took me to church after I randomly blurted out everything that had been going on. Um, I still don't know why I did. All I can say is that God smashed down some wall and made me talk. Um, and my sister took me into church. And there was a moment that night where I was at my Red Sea. I had the depression and the suicide and the dryness and the hatred and all of that other filth behind me and closing me in and I had a choice I had a moment where I could go okay this is really scary and this is really unknown but maybe and I took a step and I came to know God that night and that was my initial moment of deliverance and you know I really look back and I see that that moment had the breath of God on it because it doesn't make 
sense otherwise for me to be there at that time with that message with those people and to all of a sudden go, oh, hey, maybe it is worthwhile to live after all these years of not thinking that. So there was a breath of God on that moment and God parted the seas for me at that time, for that moment, for me to start a journey of deliverance. But then we come to the second phase and the journey of working out our deliverance and building the capacity to sustain it and the preparation to hold the promises that God has for us at the other end of it. And for Israel, that was all about crossing the desert and the wilderness. So after our moment of deliverance, we continue on the journey of deliverance. And that journey can also suck, but not as much as the captivity from beforehand. But it's hard work. It's really hard work turning around all that other stuff that you've had in your life beforehand that's been holding you captive. But it's really important to walk through that season well because if we don't, if we don't do the stuff then that's going to build us up to be able to keep going with it, then we're going to fall back. Um, We're going to relapse. Like any form of addiction, I honestly believe... You know, a lot of the things that we need to get set free from are addictive patterns, whether it's behaviours or thoughts. And lapse is a normal part of getting free from addiction. But, you know, this whole journey through the wilderness is about building our capacity to stay on the straight and narrow, to stay in our journey of recovery. Because while sometimes God does the miraculous, you know, phase one to phase three in a moment... Most of the time we need to learn to walk it out ourselves so we can keep going. Because without building that capacity and that depth, we're not going to hold it and we're not going to maintain it. So this part of the journey in the Bible spans from about Exodus 16 into Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy and then into Joshua. Absolute full honest disclaimer, I did not read all of that in preparing this message. If there's something in this that's speaking to you today, go back, read it, explore it, examine it for yourself. See what God shows you because God's really likely to show you different things to what he showed me because I'm smart but I'm not all-knowing like he is. So go back, read it, examine it for yourselves. But we see in Exodus 16:22, it took three days for Israel to start doubting what God was doing. Three days. For me, I'm pretty sure it was probably that first night after I got saved that I was like, what the heck have I done? Um, But those doubts come up quickly. And even then, as we're starting on this journey of deliverance, even after we've had that miraculous moment often of our first stage of the deliverance, we can turn back. And that's what Israel wanted to do. They'd seen all these miracles But after three days, not the box is safer. The box is better. We know what to expect there. We know what that oppression looks like. We know what that slavery looks like. Let's go do that because this is too scary being free. We have to choose in that moment to trust God because God doesn't want us to go back. He's just fought and worked to get us free and out of that place. Why would he want us to go back? We have to stay the path. 
So as I said, Israel's journey through the wilderness is very long throughout the Bible. So I'm going to give you a summary of the lessons that Israel learned that we need to learn. God will provide sustenance for our journey. He provided manna, he provided quail for Israel. He provided the food they needed every day to survive. God will provide refreshing. There was water for them to drink. God will provide shelter. I remember reading somewhere um, that, you know, their clothes and their tents didn't wear out throughout that journey. God will guard, guard and guide you, two separate words, even though I nearly mixed that up. He will guard and guide you on the journey with his presence. We have to remember the miracles and the moments of deliverance, that he redeems us. When we forget those lessons and those moments, we can end up in despair and we can end up in a place of disgust at where we are because that new freedom is hard to maintain and we're gonna, we might choose to go back. So we need to remember what God's already done. We need to work to break our old habits and our actions and our thoughts. Why be delivered from something that's oppressed you just to create it again for yourself by bringing your old habits with you to the new place? We have to not turn back. We have to remember that God will continue to protect us when the battles for our freedom and the promise... Hang on. God will protect us during the battles for our freedom and that the promise will come. God will establish order and people to provide you with wisdom for the journey. So look for them and listen well. Be vulnerable with them. Learn from my journey. Be vulnerable with them. God will speak directly to you if you're going to listen to him. Learn to position yourself to be able to hear from him. Where is your mountaintop? Where can you go away to be with God so he can speak? He will give you words to live by. Watch for distractions on the journey. What are you worshipping? Are you worshipping God or is something else crept back in? Have you got a sneaky little golden calf hidden somewhere? God will teach you how to live well within yourself and with other people. God knows what you can handle and he'll take it at a manageable pace for you so that you are not overwhelmed. It's going to require sacrifice. There are whole chapters devoted to what the people of Israel had to set up as sacrifice and worship for God. Thankfully, we don't do that with gold and jewels now because I don't have many. I don't know about you. But it will still require sacrifice. What cost are you willing to pay for your freedom? Prayer, praise, worship and thanksgiving are critical as we walk through the wilderness. These are the things that build our relationship with God. We often hear that significant ministry flows out of significant relationship and think of that as between each other, that as we've got a significant relationship with each other, that's when significant ministry can flow. But it also works vertically. Significant ministry in our own life flows out of a significant relationship with God. If the depth of that relationship with God is not there, that ministry is not going to flow and not going to keep you where you need to be. Be quick to come back to God and acknowledge when you're feeling weak and the battle's hard because you can't do it alone. 
So there's a summary of approximately four and a half uh, books of the Bible. How we walk through that wilderness season and that ongoing journey of deliverance, that crossing through the wilderness, determines how quickly we move through it and who comes through it with us. Israel's journey could have been 11 days. It took them 40 years. It was up to them. It was their mindsets and their choices that often kept them in that place and prolonged the journey. So we need to learn to do the wilderness seasons well. So for me, back to my life, um, it was probably about two years after becoming Christian that I was still daily battling in my mind the depression versus the word of God. And there were still times that I felt suicidal. There were still times that I hated myself and all the thought patterns. But over those couple of years, even though I was in this bit of a wilderness season, every single one of those things that I've just read out, every single one of those lessons, I learned. Every single one of those things were things that God built into my life and established there for me to be able to grow in my relationship with him. And as I grew in that relationship with him, the other voices got quieter and quieter and quieter. And, you know, it's a day-by-day thing walking through a wilderness and walking through this stage of deliverance. And sometimes God will take you through it quickly and sometimes you might have a couple of years like what I had. But the only way to get through that is to remember these sorts of lessons and to walk through it with God. So we get to the third crossing, entering into the promised land. This was when Israel crossed the Jordan River. So after their long journey in, around and eventually through the wilderness, God brought Israel to their third crossing into the promised land. So we read about this in Joshua 1. And God says to Israel, be strong and very courageous. It's a good encouragement. But then he follows it up by saying, live how I have told you. Do not turn to the right or the left, and then you'll be successful wherever you go. Know my words. May they always be on your lips, what we're saying, Meditate on, day, meditate on it day and night, what you're thinking. And do not be afraid or discouraged. Watch your heart. For God will be with you wherever you go. If entering into the promise and staying in the promise was easy, God wouldn't need to say that at the very start. So when it actually came to crossing the Jordan River, The priests walked into the water first, carrying the Ark of the Covenant. So the Ark of the Covenant was the symbol of God's presence with Israel and his word for them. They carried that into the water and the waters parted. Their journey had grown to the point that God's presence with them, symbolised by the Ark, the power of his word and their relationship with them was the critical factor in crossing over into the promise for them. They were active participants in their deliverance now because of that relationship and because of them having a more full partnership with God. So that presence and relationship had been built up over the previous years and the experiences in the wilderness 
and remembering the first miraculous moments of deliverance. These were the things that prepared them for what he was bringing them into so they'd be able to sustain it. After they crossed the Jordan River, God immediately instructed them to set up a monument to help them remember what he'd done. It is so important that we celebrate and remember the moments of deliverance in our life. I really wish I'd done a better job of this. (laughs) We need to remember the journeys we've been on and the promises that God's delivered on. They remind us that the power of God's been there the whole time, working for us and working through us. So unfortunately, entering into the promise doesn't just happen and then it's sunshine, coffee, unicorns, puppies and rainbows and all the sorts of things that I like. Well, whatever your happy place would look like. There's battles to remain in the promise. There's new things that are going to arise for us to be delivered from and to overcome. And we go through it again. We will all make mistakes, but God remains faithful. And he will lead us through this journey over and over and over again as long as we keep choosing him. So... After my two-year battle in the wilderness with my depression, well, that stage of it, there was a shift. And I actually can't remember this. This is why I'm saying, you know, I really wish I could remember some of these moments a bit better. I can't remember what it happened or where it happened or how it happened. But there was a shift and all of a sudden I was free of that old way of thinking. And for me, looking back on it, I think it was that the depth in my relationship with God reached a point of saturation where the word and the presence and the promises of God saturated everything in me to such a point that those other voices got silenced. But there's still a battle to keep it. So while I haven't been at that place, that depth, since probably I was about 18 or 19. There's still times when it tries to come back. There's still times where the doubts and the pain and the different things come back to life again. And I need to battle them again. So I know that I'm free. And it's my responsibility, partnered with God, to stay free. So periodically, we go through the deliverance journey again. But for me, I've found each time it's a little bit easier because I know what to expect, I know what to walk through, I know how to walk through it well now. And I am so determined. Unfortunately, my children inherited that from me. Um, It will be a blessing in the future. I'm determined, though, that I'm not going to go back. I'm not going to be that broken little girl anymore. And my relationship with God is what keeps me firm in that belief. So, I do believe that individually and as a church, we're in a season of deliverance. We're entering into that season. That we're at a point of crossing over. And you might be at any point on that journey that I've described above. You might need a significant moment and a miracle of deliverance for God to breathe and part whatever that Red Sea is in your life so you can take that first step to start crossing over. 
You might be in the middle of crossing over and through the wilderness, wandering around and waiting, relying on God's provision, guidance and instruction to get you through. That's where I think Ads and I were at in terms of our disconnection until recently. Now, I believe we're on the edge of the wilderness. The cusp of crossing over into receiving the promises with the depth of relationship with God that you've built up in the last two stages. So, crossing over requires us to move from an acceptance of our position in, in oppression, from knowing the safety of the box and liking it, into a position of faith and action, from a resigned apathy that this is just the way it's going to be, into a place where we're willing to take risks. Deliverance is about a disturbance of all of our preconceived ideas of what we're willing to accept in our life as normal. It's a movement into promise that comes with a little bit of peril because we don't know what it's going to look like. But that is an acceptable risk. Sustained deliverance will become our new normal. And as we continue on the path through promise, we're going to come to the next moments and next journeys of deliverance that will keep getting us more and more free and more and more positioned to walk out the gifts and the call God has for our life which is a good thing for our community. God takes us to the new level of freedom and the new level of promise. So in the Bible, we see God's people go through moments of deliverance, periods of wilderness, and then times when they enter the promise, time and time again. I could have found a whole bunch of examples of this in the Bible, but then we'd be here all day, and I'm just going to let you find them for yourself. But most of all, We see this with Jesus. The very roots of our faith and our identity are in radical deliverance. God is with us and this is a season where we can move from oppression into deliverance and on into promise. So my sense is that for Ads and I and for a lot of you guys that were on the edge of that wilderness about to cross into the promise And I hope that today I've helped you make sense of maybe the journey you've been on a little bit, the moments and the lessons and the choices that are there. Wherever you're at, my encouragement is don't give up and don't turn back. Keep pressing forward. Reflect back on the journey and what God has brought you through to get you to this point and cross over into the new thing. I wasn't too sure how to end today. And then Pani shared on Facey a verse from Deuteronomy, which was perfect, so thank you. Deuteronomy 31.6. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. That's his promise to us. He wants us to be free. So wherever you're at on this journey of deliverance, walk it out well and know he's with you. Thanks, lovely. Awesome. Let's stand.